our new bestie has changed how we track our investments. Why have over 400,000 investors chosen ShareSite? It's simple. This online investment dashboard for your investment portfolio supports over 500,000 stocks, ETFs, and funds, plus integrated with more than 200 platforms, ensures your entire investment portfolio is organized and accessible in one place. Move beyond the limited insights from brokerage statements. ShareSite offers a comprehensive view of your financial performance, including analyzed reports, dividend gains, and the impact of currency fluctuations, all through intuitive graphs and visualizations. But here's the best part. For the investee besties out there, ShareSite is offering a special deal. Save four months when you purchase an annual premium plan. It's time to dive deep into performance metrics, streamline tax reporting, and share your portfolio with ease. Join the link in the episode description to sign up to ShareSite now and transform your investment experience. Hello and welcome to Girls That Invest, the platform that empowers millennials through financial literacy. You're joined today by your hosts, Sim and Sonia, two millennial investors who are extremely passionate about all things investing and personal finance. Hey Sim, how are you going? I'm going well. Guess who just bought a house? Um, you know, my neighbour was thinking about putting an offer down on on a house. Do you mean, do you mean her? You're like literally not funny, just so you know. Look, I just don't need this fakeness right now. Just congratulate me. <laughs> Sorry. Who brought a house in? Is it you? Uh, one of our very own, um, I mean, there's two of us, but one of our very own just brought a house. Uh, and it's not Sonia, if that was your first guest. It is Sim who talks about property or finds a way to talk about property um, every single episode. So I sneak it in, not just in our episodes, but like every day at work, like it's gotten to the point where I, I turn up and my colleagues are like, anything new? And like when I would put down offers, they would be like, text us, like don't wait till the next day when you arrive and you can tell us, text us how it went. So I've really just, I feel like, I just have no personality anymore. Like, it's just some that colleague that's trying to buy a house. Congratulations, hun. How do you feel? What does it feel like to be a homeowner? Stressful. Like, I feel like, I feel like, do you know, though, I am really, okay, I'm not good at maths and anyone that knows me, they'll just like be nodding their head. And so I miscalculated my mortgage repayments and I was like, oh, I'm going to have to pay like all this money a week, whatever, like I'll just deal with it. Then I realized I was doing it wrong and it's a lot less. So I'm really happy about that. <laughs> but yeah, so that's good. I was just trying to be like a Excel spreadsheet gal and I like Googled how to like do this formula and work out like how much my mortgage repayments would be for like different house prices and different deposits and different interest rates. And yeah, it just somehow, someway mixed that up. Anyways, so in true fashion of Simran not shutting it up about property, today we are going to be talking about the difference between investing in the stock market and investing in property because this is going to be 
a debate long after, you know, we come and go. But I thought it'd be nice just to have our take and let our listeners hear the pros and cons of both and decide that, you know, maybe one is better for you than the other and it might not have been the one that you always thought. So today I'm going to be defending why property might be a better option for you or why it might not be and then Sonia will be doing the stock market. So we're breaking this down into the difference in the two in terms of the returns you might make, the time spent towards it, how much time it will take to maintain it and just how easy or hard it is to get started. So In terms of returns, I'll go first, Sonia, I'll talk about why property might be better for you in terms of returns, and then do you want to jump in and talk about stocks? Sounds like a plan. So in terms of property, it's a little bit difficult country by country because each country's property market is different, but Australia and New Zealand, we're quite similar in the sense that it's really hot right now and big cities in America and Canada are kind of in a similar boat. In terms of the property market and in New Zealand in particular, over the last 27 years, if you had a house, it would increase in value by 6.6% every year. So that's actually lower than if you invested your money in the stock market, which is how much year on year? Uh, 13.9% to be specific. But that's specifically and that's for the S and yeah the S and P five hundred and with property, that number can seem quite low if you think about how much time and energy and money you're initially putting in. But the little asterisk or the little point that's interesting or important to remember is that that six point six percent on the entire value of the house and not just six point six percent on your deposit. And that's essentially what leverage is. So you might have heard of the term leverage thrown around or my favorite quote, using other people's money to make money. What leverage is, is so just say the bank gives you a mortgage of 500000 for a $500,000 home. When the value of that house goes up by 10%, the difference you get to keep that if it's lower than your interest, if that makes sense. So you're not just getting 10% of 50000 that you've put in, which would be like putting 50000 in the stock market and getting 10%, because that's all you get in the stock market. You get the percentage increase of how much money you've put in, whereas with homes, you get leverage, which is you get a profit or an interest in not just what you've put in, in terms of cash, but also the value of the house itself. The whole thing goes up. I remember the first time I saw the value or like the return of house prices and I was like, why would I do that? Like the stock market with less energy, less time, you know, makes you like 13 or 10 or 9% on average. So it just didn't make sense to me until I understood what leverage was. And just a little stat because I come in with receipts for these debates on <laughs> you. There was a study and it found that 90% of millionaires get their wealth by investing in real estate. Thank you so much for including that interesting stat in your part of the debate. It's it's really good. It's really really fun and fresh, really relevant. So in terms of returns in the stock market, I think it's a lot more unpredictable because more factors play into account in terms of the up and down and you might see it go up and down multiple times during the year as well. The average return per year is about 
10% and like the S&P 500 which we did speak about earlier it's often considered to be like the benchmark for stock market returns so that is about 13.9% annually for the past decade or so. Just to like throw some numbers in if you put down a hundred thousand dollars as your deposit for a million dollar house and if the hundred thousand dollar goes up by ten percent like just say in a S&P 500 then ten percent of that is going to be less than ten percent of a million dollars but that's also yours to keep because you're paying for the mortgage of a million dollar house and your gains or capital gains is also part of your wealth that you get to keep when you sell the house like I know like you might buy a house for a million and you end up paying like 1.5 million with interest and stuff or 2 million but the value of the house increases more than that so while you have interest to pay on your mortgage the house increases in value more and you pick up a lot more and you're not doing any extra work to get that increase you've just borrowed the bank's money to make more money so that's what leverage is which i didn't get the first time i understood it so it's not an easy thing to wrap your head around and i think i think it's so good to be able to understand this because once you get it maybe it might shift what you value more and what you want to put your money in but as we'll go you know further into it there's other reasons why that actually might not be the best idea for you And I think I can point to one of those reasons right now, which is time. So time spent researching the stock market or learning how it works is going to be a lot less time required trying to understand, I guess, like the property market and research into the houses that you want to buy or the area that you're concerned with, materials, what you want, etc., I think with the education around the stock market, it's a little bit more attainable in property investing. And there's so much out there and so much different types of like learning styles compared to like property, which we didn't even start really. You know what? I feel like anyone that has like listened to more than one episode has probably heard me ramble. Like you'll be like, hey, Sim, like how's your week been? I like, you'll be like, I did this this weekend. I did that. And I'll be like, it's so hard buying a house. I like it is the time I have taken to wrap my head around the process and all the different elements and all the different people involved. Like it is so time consuming. I don't have children. I don't have responsibilities. Like it's just me, work, and nothing else, like free time. And it's taken up all of my time. Like my weekends up till now have just been like, from 11.30 to 4 p.m. or 3 p.m., Saturday, Sunday, going to open homes. Like, I'll go to one and then I'll go to the next and then I'll go to the next. I used to go to open homes after work. Like, this has been, you know, a bit of a disclaimer in a super hot market, so I kind of have to be fast and maybe this won't be the case if things were more normal. But getting, like, the money pre-approved, that took a lot of time and a lot of knowledge Learning what I liked in a house was super hard. Learning what to like look out for in an open home was, you know, like you don't know these things until you go out and look into them. And yes, like you have to do a lot of research into the stock market. But I think once you get the gist of it, you're just looking into individual companies. And even then, if you don't care about that, you can just invest in ETFs and like you're sorted. Another thing that I was going to mention was 
just the attainability of it all. Like investing has become so easy for the everyday person to start that journey. I guess to put like a numeric value to it on a scale of one to 10, like how would you think it's easy to get started in the property market? Like in comparison to investing, when you can put $5 down on a share and you're in the stock market, like the stock market would be like a one out of 10 and the property market would be like an 11 out of 10. Like it is so hard right now and it depends on like where you want to live but like I'm in Hamilton Sonia and the average house price here is $750,000 like $750,000 with a 10% deposit that's $75,000 to even get your foot in the door and when on one hand you can spend $5 and get into the stock market and make your money work for you it's so not as simple and this is why I invested in stocks first because I was like I'm not going to reach a property anytime soon whereas stocks are something I can start off with right now like from the comfort of my bed with the small amount of money that I have so that's definitely a reason against it so while things like the returns might be a lot better in the property market at least when comparing averages Another thing that might not be so hot in the property market is maintenance. So this is not talking about your own home or your own occupier, but rather if you were having an investment property to make money long term, you don't have to do this with stocks. You don't have to make sure that your stocks are living in a, you know, comfortable home. You don't have to worry about things expiring because everything within a house has a expiry date everything has a lifespan your hot water cupboard your roof your paint your carpet like things will get damaged and if you're starting off in investing in property you're probably not buying in the nice for business owners every transaction is more than just a swipe of the card it's the culmination of your hard work dedication and commitment to your customers that's why i'm excited to share with you a game-changing solution that's simplifying the way businesses like yours accept payments introducing tap to pay on iphone powered by stripe contactless payments has never been easier you can seamlessly accept contactless payments directly from your iphone and the best part there's no additional hardware required think about it from local pop-ups to global retailers tap to pay on iphone and stripe cater to businesses of all sizes empowering them to accept payments right from their iphones it's a game changer for businesses looking to scale quickly and stay flexible with quick setup that takes minutes not days so how can tap to pay on iphone and stripe benefit your business it's simple increased revenue expanded reach and enhanced customer experience it's a win-win-win to learn more about how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can transform your business, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone today. This neighborhood, you're probably, you know, if you're doing this on your own or you're starting out, you're probably trying to get into okay places or maybe low socioeconomic places where the quality of homes and also the sort of wear and tear that happens to the homes is a little bit more than, than you would have elsewhere. And so you're spending maybe not so much on the house itself, but then you end up spending a lot on maintenance costs, especially if you're not buying a new home. 
New homes are a different story because you've got your 10-year builder warranty. Usually things don't crap out in the first, you know, wee while. But if you're starting out, more than likely you're not getting a new place. And therefore, maintenance is something you really have to worry about. Whereas, like, how much time do we spend on our investment portfolios? Like, maybe an hour a month? If that. <laughs> That's the thing with, like, financial planning and... I guess it, like for me personally, I review it every quarter. Mm. I don't want to review it every every now and then. I think I feel like I'd go insane in terms of how I am and with my anxiety. So I don't spend too much time looking through everything. I will say with the stock market, it's not as if it's like a one and done deal. Like you put 500 down and then that's it. Like what you get in is what you get out as well. So you do need to set up some type of auto investing or have some type of plan I will say uh, for your investment but I guess it's definitely not the same environmental factors one that you've mentioned with the upkeep of a house and two you have real control in terms of how much you want to put in and it can be a fixed amount rather than it be fluctuating dependent on what actually needs to be done in your house because it's not like you plan for a leaky roof or like you know all these wear and tear things maybe a storm does something so those are really good points to make I wanted to ask you as well and this is something that we spoke about earlier today with investing in terms of like unforeseen costs or like kind of hidden costs you really only have to worry about fees in my opinion because a good micro investing platform should have that information straight from the get-go and it should be ready available before you start putting in because with a house you're mentioning that you're spending x y and z on like builders reports and like different types of information so it's definitely not just the deposit yeah like there's a lot of costs and just to name the ones that I had to encounter which is New Zealand based I'm sure it's very similar in other countries it's definitely very similar in Australia but things you need to take into account probably total up to about five grand so having five grand separate you've got your lawyer's fees so the reason you need a lawyer is when you buy a property it's not just between you the real estate agent and the seller, you and the seller have a lawyer each and they act on your behalf to transfer ownership of the house to you and transfer the money. So when the bank gives you the loan, it doesn't go into your like ANZ account, it goes to the lawyer's trust and then it passes on to them. So lawyer's fees, which can range between one to two grand, then if you are looking at an investment property, you probably need an accountant and that can be 500 to 1,000 grand. Obviously, this is my own home, so that's not something I had to worry about. A building inspection is something that you do to make sure you're not buying a lemon and that for me cost $550. And then if you buy a property with like less than a 20% deposit, if you're like a first home buyer, usually you Unless you've been gifted a lot of money, if you're just saving up yourself, then you have to pay for a valuer. So the bank's like, yeah, I'll give you money, but I want to make sure you're not buying something worth 500000 for 600000 because I don't want to give you more money than you need. And then you have to pay for that valuation, even though they want it. So that was $750, which I just paid this evening, even though they've said yes, but they're just deciding how much to give me for it. 
Then you've got to think about rates. So that's, you know how like when you own a home, you have to pay money to pay for the upkeep of the neighborhood and the upkeep of all the tubes and wires and this and that that go towards your house and all of that good stuff. And that's about 2000 a year. So to start off, good couple of thousand dollars to put aside. You don't have to do that when you invest in stocks. You, can, I feel like I'm doing a terrible job at making this sound like a good idea, but you don't have to have any of that in stocks. See, guys, I don't even need to debate. Sim's doing it for me. I guess in terms of wealth building and why people invest in the first place, it generally is to you know, start building wealth. We talk a good game about putting money in a savings account isn't going to do as much as investing because compound interest and all that. With, I guess, the returns that you get via dividends, if your stocks and in the stock market, I would say it's definitely not as high as you would get in rent. Would you agree? Yeah, I have yet to find, and when I do, trust me, I'll put it on the podcast, I have yet to find a stock that would literally give you like $500 a week cash every week for 52 weeks a year the thing with like home ownership or investing in property is obviously when you start off you don't get all of that money straight to you because you have to pay the mortgage but once the mortgage is paid off say in 20 30 years time when you're a little bit older that's just straight money coming from the rent minus the maintenance costs like keeping the house in working order to your bank account and that will not happen with your investments in the stock market like yes you'll get dividends with your good old blue chip stocks so you know things that have been around for a while and they constantly give dividends and I also want to note that dividends aren't actually required so just say you invest in um, the Bank of America and just say they give dividends every year next year like what happened in COVID they could say oh you know what money's a bit tight so we're not going to give you anything. And if you've been using that to rely, if you've been relying on that as your source of income, like that's going to suck. And there's some level of certainty that I personally want, if that was my income, to know that that's going to come in. And usually, I mean, people can still not pay their rent, but usually there's more of a security in knowing that that kind of income would come in monthly or weekly. That's a good point. Stock markets really your stocks in general really has no obligation to return anything to you whereas I feel like with rent or like even with you know I guess the safety and security around property owners or like landlords I feel like I feel like there is a greater sense of security there so that is a good point to make I'll give you that one Sim. Again, it's different in each country, and I know we have like a lot of listeners from a lot of different countries, but like New Zealand, Australia, like our boomers love property, and I feel like anyone that's listening from those places would agree. Like that is our country's main investment choice, and I don't see that going away anytime soon, and there's some safety around it. Like New Zealand is going through a horrific housing crisis, and our left leading government is like oh we don't want prices to drop we could maybe let them stay or increase slowly to quote our prime minister like that was really shocking to me because you'd think that given the crisis you'd want it to drop 
even if our most left-leaning government feels that way, then, like, what's going to happen? And maybe, like, no one will agree with me, which is totally fine, but I think there's some level of stigma in New Zealand and in some of the countries that we've mentioned where being a landlord actually is not necessarily something that would align with a person's personal values because given that there's a housing crisis, it does seem kind of odd to be profiting off that. And as we've spoken about before, like with the stock market, there's a level of like social good and social conscious and you want to invest in companies that are important to you and align with your values. And in New Zealand, especially being a landlord has a lot of negative connotations with it. And maybe you don't actually care about any of that and you don't care what people think. But I kind of feel like if I was ever to have an investment property, I don't think it would be something I would be like proudly talking about in the same way that I might talk about my shares portfolio. I 100% know what you mean. I think it's like very, very well and good to say like, I don't care what people think and like all that and stuff, but there's still, we're all human and to some level we do care. And I think it's important that we care to some level. And with what you're saying, I feel like a lot of would agree. There's like so much shit talk around like landlords and the ethics, especially with Gen Z. Like if you see tweets and if you see Instagrams and all the stuff that's happening, like I get it. I genuinely think like one day if I was to get married or like have kids and I want to move into maybe a nicer suburb than where my house is and I didn't sell my house, like I think I would feel some level of guilt in being a landlord and I don't know how I can explain it better than that. But I'd be like, wow, like I'm kind of profiting off someone's income to make money. And I think that for me is a discussion I guess I'll have to have at that time. But it does feel a little bit weird. I feel like this episode might be a little bit frustrating because we never really came to a consensus of which is better. But, you know, I think that's kind of a good thing because for like different people, it's going to be different. I'm personally 50-50. I love both for different reasons. I love that if I have a thousand dollars, I can do something with it and put it in the stock market versus just like holding on until I've got like 50,000 or 70,000 and, you know, waiting to invest in property. Things like the returns are going to be different, as Sonia and I were talking about. Time spent towards those investments are definitely different. And if you're a very time poor person, then maybe the housing market isn't for you and stocks are just so much easier. Literally, all you need is a laptop and the internet. And then maintenance time is also something that is very, very different, plus the learning process and the initial capital to start off with. But maybe in the long-term grand scheme of things, you find more value in the idea of leverage and you might actually go, well, hey, I'd, I'd rather hold out and not invest my money into the stock market and wait and invest into property when I have enough. Or you might get the best of both worlds, put it in the stock market for five, 10 years and then put that as a deposit for your house. So there's a million ways that you can do this and I don't think there's any right or wrong but I think it's important to know what you're getting into and if you've got the stomach for one more than the other absolutely go for it because at the end of the day you'd rather have your money go to one or the other rather than nothing. Without further ado 
a little disclaimer, Girls That Invest does not provide personalised investing advice for your individual needs. We are not financial advisors. The advice from Girls That Invest exists for educational purposes only and should not be relied upon to make an investment or financial decision. Advice from Girls That Invest is general in nature and does not consider your individual circumstances. Always do your research and please use your due diligence. All right, till next week, Sonia. Till next week, Sam. Um...